And I'm calling today's word The Promise of the Father. Book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 1. Saul fully approved of Stephen's execution. And then there arose a great persecution against the Jerusalem church, which caused disciples to flee from Jerusalem and be scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. But the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. Some faithful disciples carried Stephen to be buried, and there was much grieving and lamentation over him. But Saul continued to ravage the church, charging into people's houses, dragging men and women off to prison. And those that fled Jerusalem were scattered and began preaching the word everywhere they went. Philip went to the city of Samaria, preaching Christ to the people there. And everyone in that place listened intently to what Philip said, and they saw the miracles that occurred. His ministry brought forth much power. Evil spirits crying out loudly came out of many people who were oppressed, and many that had been frail and paralyzed and crippled were healed. And great joy broke out in that city. There was a man there called Simon, who had been a sorcerer in that city for a long time, bewitching and beguiling the people of Samaria, claiming that he was some almighty person. Everyone there, from the least to the greatest, had paid awesome respect to this man, saying that he had the almighty power of God. And they all revered him because for many years he'd bewitched them with his sorcery. But when they listened to Philip's preaching on the things of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were all baptised, both men and women. Then Simon himself also became a believer. And after being baptised, he committed himself to following Philip. And he was amazed and astounded by the mighty power he saw in the miracles done through Philip's ministry. When the apostles at Jerusalem heard the news that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to go and see what was happening. And when they got there, they prayed for the people to receive the Holy Spirit. Now that word receive doesn't just mean that perhaps the Holy Spirit would be there with them. The Holy Spirit had been sent into the world. But this word receive is lambano, which means take a hold of and embrace. It's one thing for something to be there, but it's another thing to take hold of. And say, yes, that's now the new spirit sent by God for me. When Simon saw that the Holy Spirit could be received through the laying on of hands, he offered the money. He asked them to give him that same power so that upon whomever he laid his hands, they would receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, let your money perish with you for even thinking that the gift of God could be purchased with money. This matter belongs to a realm that has nothing to do with you and of which you know nothing. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. Turn away from this wicked thinking and pray to God that he might forgive the evil in your mind and in your heart. I can see a poison and bitter root of evil in you which has brought your soul into bondage. 
Simon then said to Peter, Please pray to the Lord for me that what you have spoken will not happen to me. Well, that's a start, isn't it? We don't really know the full ending of that story, but at least there was a turnaround and an awareness. Final verse that I'm reading today. After the apostles had finished preaching and instructing the people in the word, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many of the villages of Samaria on the way. Now Jesus had told his disciples that when he went to be with the Father, he would send them the Holy Spirit and that they would receive his power to become a living witness of God. And the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Holy Spirit, he said, would work through you with a different kind of anointing to bring the kingdom of God into their times and into their cultures where they lived. He was telling them, this is what is going to happen. The promise of the Father. I'll send my spirit. Now they really thought that it was only for the Jews. There were still many Jews everywhere, all out there. And so they knew that they'd be going forth. But he called this embracing of the spirit, this receiving of the spirit, this anointing, life-changing power that joins their spirit to the spirit of God. He called that the promise of the Father. On the day of Pentecost, the promise of the Father was sent and Peter proclaimed this as the message to everyone there on that day. In Acts chapter 2, we hear what Peter says, And God declares that in these last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on everybody. Now Philip, when he went to Samaria, obviously did not preach about the fullness of the Holy Spirit in that place, the same way that Peter did in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Something must have been lacking because the apostles came and they said, these people haven't received the Holy Spirit. Even though Peter was preaching Jesus and the resurrection and there were signs and wonders. So the apostles knew that something more had to happen, so they did that. If someone does not know that this is the promise of the Father, they'll remain ignorant of the need to receive the Holy Spirit, to embrace the Holy Spirit in order for the empowering of the Holy Spirit to reveal the work of Jesus working within them. And the apostles weren't going to allow that to be left unsaid and unchallenged. People can be told about Jesus. You know this. How many millions of people are in churches and have been going to church all their life. They can be told about Jesus, believe that he exists and admire him and want to follow him and even receive the forgiveness of sins and then to even preach about him. But only the Holy Spirit can reveal Jesus to people and lead them into all truth. Jesus said... And when the Holy Spirit is come, he will not speak from himself or of himself, but he will glorify me. He will put me on display. All that the Father has is mine, and he will take of mine and reveal it to you. John 16. 
Now you might say, well, isn't that just automatic? I can't speak for every individual person. I have known that people from different denominations, people that have gone to God and said, Lord, I want all of you. I know that in their cry, they might not have used the words that Pentecostals use or the Charismatics and say, you must be baptised with the Holy Spirit. However, that was said, and I've met people back in the days when there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit who was saying, I want to receive the Holy Spirit. And things changed in their lives, but they were believers of Jesus. In fact, coming from a Catholic background, that was the message to me. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. I went out to be prayed for. I want to receive the Holy Spirit. When I went sharing with other folks that, that had been in the Catholic Church all their lives, people I grew up with, went to school with, if I tried to share them with them now, my faith, I would begin talking about Jesus, but they would kind of glaze over as if, well, we know Jesus. We know you talk about Jesus. Yes, we believe in Jesus. He died on the cross for our sins and we get forgiveness of sins through Jesus. And it was like the more I pushed with that, the more difficult it became to get a response, the life response that I was looking for. But the moment I mentioned the Holy Spirit, you can receive the Holy Spirit into your life and he will give you a new life living within you. They'd say, what's that about? And people would receive the Holy Spirit and then he would reveal Jesus in the, the real Jesus to them they hadn't really known and the grace of God. So I realised that these challenges about receiving the Holy Spirit were real. And I thought about the Catholic Church, my church, because I then became a Protestant. I didn't know what brand I was. I didn't care. In fact, I got a label and I didn't wear it on a t-shirt or anything, but I just knew I had the Holy Spirit. And, and I thought of my life growing up. And I thought of all the people that I went to school with, made my first Holy Communion when I was seven, learnt the Catechism. We d didn't go near the Bible, but on a Sunday, the Gospel was read, so there was a Bible reading by the priest. And then I remembered, and this is just a few, few days ago, I was thinking, hang on, I remember when I was 12, I received the sacrament of confirmation. Anybody had that? And the bishop would lay hands on the shoulder and say, receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and a little kind of tap like that on the face. I wasn't sure what that was. But we would go back and say, well, we've been confirmed. And that day came and went and nothing happened. Now these apostles here laid hands on people. And I was thinking to myself, well, I had a bishop lay hands on me. But you see, if there is not faith to impart the life of the Holy Spirit, it is what the Bible calls in Timothy, the form without the power thereof. But how do I know which individuals rose to these occasions and said, I want the Holy Spirit. I don't know where they are, where they go to church. But I know that it is a worthwhile challenge to make to people who go to church, have you received the Holy Spirit? And if they say, I don't know what that means, that, and then you get, in, get into an argument. No, that would have happened to me anyway. I don't want to talk about that. 
But it's worth saying, did that change your life? How do you feel now? Because we need to acknowledge we have the Holy Spirit within us. Not just once, not just, yeah, well, I did. I remember when I received the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the watershed moment. But then, as the scriptures say, we keep on receiving, receiving. Now, let's, I've laid a platform here, and I want to go a bit further in this. So God has required that people be told of the promise of the Father so that they will know what to ask for so that they can receive what he has promised. Let me read to you from Luke chapter 11, verse 10. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Now, can you see the searching heart here? You find somebody like that and you say, here's something that's on offer. I'm reading on. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This is a time of knowing what to ask for. We were led in prayer this morning about, well, it's not just about our needs, it's about what you want for us. Well, here's something, amen. Now, this promise can also be found in the Old Testament where God tells his people that he'll one day put his Holy Spirit within them, but he wants them to ask him to do this for him. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart, This is the prophet speaking to Israel. And put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways. And you will keep my judgments and do them. That's a pretty powerful driving, let me call it, motivating helper to the helpless that brings God and the, the Lord Jesus and the Father into our lives. The Holy Spirit makes entrance for all of that to happen. I will cause you to walk in my ways. Not just your willpower, but something that's called grace that overrides our idea of the priorities of what we want to have for this soul, for this self, in order to feel fulfilled. God says, got something better, got something better. And then... It goes on a few verses later, speaking to Israel. I, the Lord, have spoken this, and I will do it. I will also let the house of Israel ask me to do this for them. In other words, I want to know that you want this, and I want you to ask me to do it for you. Paul had a similar experience in Acts chapter 19 that Peter and John had with Philip's preaching. We just read in chapter 8. Paul went to preach the gospel to the people of Ephesus. People had been told about Jesus and had believed in Jesus, but he found there was something missing. Acts 19 verse 1. Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? When you believed, in other words, here's believers, Jesus, Believing in Jesus, who preached Jesus to them? 
Well, we know that John the Baptist was preaching Jesus, the Messiah. He will baptise you. He says, I baptise you with water, John said, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. That's what John said. But I wonder if everybody got that message because these people here, they said to Paul, when he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptised? And they said, into John's baptism. That's okay. But Paul knew there was more. They needed to understand or have preached to them with his, what I call, embodiment of his life-giving spirit was ready to impart. And Paul said, John baptised with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. I don't know what else he said, but when it finished, it says, On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came onto them. Now that was their receiving. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And you think, isn't just believing enough in Jesus? Well, as I say, I don't want to speak for every individual, but I know when people ask, they receive, that's all. So they'd already heard the gospel and they'd believed in Jesus, these people. But it was only after they were told of the promise of the Father that they could then receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That was Paul in Ephesus. Then Paul writes to the Ephesian church and he's got this message. I mean, this is one of the first things he says to them in in, in Ephesians chapter 1, right at the beginning, after the introduction and the blessings. This is what he writes, this pathway of truth that he was committed to leading them into. Ephesians 1 verse 12. We should be to the praise of God's glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise after they believed. The seal of the Holy Spirit. The covenant. Every contract needs a promise. This is what I've offered. Every contract needs a cost. Now Jesus paid the cost. Every contract needs a signature or a seal. This one, the seal of this one is the Holy Spirit. After that, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Let's get the signature. <laughs> All right. Now this brings us right back to the beginning when Jesus told his disciples about the promise of the Father. They would receive his power to become a living witness of God working through them. One more thing. Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 5, encouraging them to become this living witness of the life of God within them. I'll finish with this. Verse 15. Look carefully then how you live your life. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because these times are malicious and mad. If you look at what the word evil, poneros, means in the Greek, you'll see that it it is nasty. These times are malicious and mad. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't get drunk with wine, letting that control your behaviour. 
but keep on being filled with the Spirit, letting that order your life. This is not a once-off thing. Tick that box. Now every day, whoa, Lord, just uh, fill me now. Let me embrace you. Thank you, Lord. You are you are guiding me in everything that's happening today. And I have an expectation that you're going to be revealing the things that Jesus will want to say to me. And you're going to, you're going to open that up to me. You're going to make it clear and talk to me the way my understanding and my personality, the way I think and talk, you're going to let me know that, that was Jesus speaking. That was God. And then the Father is going to order, uh, reorder my circumstances according to his will in the sense that I will understand what it is that he wants me to do. I won't be confused. Now, I don't have to do it, but Holy Spirit, if, if you're at work, you're going to allow me to get the kind of word that's going to take me forward and overrule my kind of willpower to try and be a good person and be drawn into this watchfulness, awakening and awareness of the Father. In the things that are happening, you've got something that's a, that is according to your will that you're going to move me in my understanding. My mind is going to know that there is, there is something here that has been said and my heart is going to desire to do it. Okay, I, I just have to say amen there for that. But what I would say is this scripture here doesn't say, remember the time when you were filled with the Holy Spirit, that's enough. This indicates this is a keeping on of being filled. If you ask, you receive. If you seek, you'll find. So my prayer is thank you, Lord, for sending us your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for working in that strange, quiet, but real way within us that opens the door up to everything that we need to know and we need to do.